Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I'm going to be talking with Deb Brandon about the long-term recovery from traumatic brain injury. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, I am Amy Zelmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. For those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and be sure to check out my upcoming awareness campaign, Not Invisible, while you're there. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest today. Today I have Deb Brandon, and Deb is a weaver, respected textile artist, an enthusiast, and a writer. She has been an active volunteer with Weave a Real Piece, including several multiple terms as a board member, as well as writing the long-running Textile Techniques from Around the World column for the Warp newsletter. Deb is a popular speaker on textiles and other topics. She's an avid traveler and has completed nationally and internationally in dragon boating. And she's been a professor in the Mathematical Science Department at Carnegie Mellon University since 1991. Her other books include the memoir, But My Brain Had Other Ideas, and her essays have appeared in several publications, including Hand Eye Magazine and Weaving Today. So, Deb, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Same here. It's lovely to be back here. Yeah, I believe I had you on, oh, was it a year ago or was it longer ago? Time flies, so I kind of lose track of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Deb, you um, you just had your second book come out. That's very exciting. And I think I would love to have you start with just giving the listeners an overview of who you are and, um, you know, what's brought you here. Uh, let's see. I was born in England and grew up in Israel. Uh, I came to the U.S. to pursue a Ph.D. in mathematics. I currently uh, work as a college professor at Carnegie Mellon University. Um, I suffered a brain injury more than a decade ago. Uh, it started with brain bleeds I have clusters of thin-walled blood vessels in my brain uh, called cavernous angiomas. And two of them bled 
turning my life up, upside down. Um, when I managed to crawl out of uh, <clears throat> of the uh, of denial, I decided to be proactive and looked into how to prevent future be- bleeds. The only known treatment is uh, to remove the, angi- the angiomas uh, that had bled surgically, and I underwent three brain surgery. As any brain injury survivor knows, recovery from such an injury is a long and arduous um, journey. And I've arrived to where I am now, and I'm very happy with where I am. I don't regret what happened. Uh, I wouldn't want to repeat it, but I'm actually grateful that it happened because it brought me to where I am. Yeah. And so with your brain bleed, were you aware that you had this condition or was it something you found out um, because you had a massive bleed? I had uh, some very brief symptoms a year before the acute bleeds, and uh, my uh, PCP sent me for various tests, including a brain MRI. That's how I found out about these um, lovely intruders. Um, But uh, I was told that that's probably it. I'll never experience that again well a year later (laughs) I proved them wrong and that's when I had acute bleeds that uh, made life interesting so not exactly the way you want it to prove them wrong (laughs) Uh, no not exactly (laughs) so would would you I'm not familiar with this type of a bleed would you equate it is it more like a stroke or more like an aneurysm? Um, Is it like a malformation that you were born with? Um, In my case, it is hereditary. Um, I have several of these. So does my sister. She underwent brain surgery a few months ago, um, and her son has them. My kids don't, thank God. Uh, But um, I... Uh, okay, lost my train of thought, which That's I'm allowed right. to do as a brain injury survivor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Was it? Is it? Would you say it's like a stroke or an aneurysm or not like either one? Um, I mean, it's considered a hemorrhagic stroke. Okay. Uh, but the the bleeds are slow because the bleed. It's not like an aneurysm because uh, because of the low pressure. Um, so, so the so the bleeds aren't as uh, not the the effect isn't as uh, dramatic as aneurysms, or at least on the face of it. I mean, some some neurologists will tell you, oh, they're harmless. In fact, I had a neurologist tell me that. Um, huh. So wrong. <laughs> I mean, they they say that it's just. Uh, a spot, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's like a little spot that that uh, leaks out. But the thing is, 
for instance, I had one in the brainstem just by the mere existence of this thing in the brainstem. Uh, that causes problems. And if it had bled again, uh, it was a matter of life and death. So it's not really like what one thinks of as a stroke. It's still a bleed. Mm-hmm. And your sister, you said she recently had hers removed. Was that a preventative mm-hmm. measure that she chose to do? No, she had one that was that was continually ble- uh, bleeding, and uh, as a result, you know, she was having poor balance. She was uh, having trouble, um, of course, with her memory, like all of us. But also, uh, she was having seizures. So when hers were removed, it was it was almost miraculous. I mean. The dizziness ended, the uh, loss of balance was gone, and the seizures were gone because apparently they were all caused by the continual bleeding. Wow. Well, good for her that that all cleared up. Yeah. I mean, she has other deficits now, but and and now that she's in recovery it's it's tough but it's not uh <coughs> but she actually saw an improvement immediately which i didn't so deb tell us so you your original book came out a year two years ago um about but my brain ago, had october. other ideas yeah a year ago october yeah um what led you to write that book, your memoir? Well, this all happened in 2007. At that point, yes, there were books out and articles about brain injury and effects of brain injury, either by caregivers, medical uh, personnel. Uh, some were by, very few were by brain injury survivors, um, but all addressed the trauma and the um, acute recovery. I needed something more. I needed I needed stories from the inside, from brain injury survivors, uh, and also how to live with brain injury. I needed stories about ongoing recovery. And I wasn't, there was nothing out there. So I decided to write my own about my own story, uh, hoping that as I bumbled along in this new world, that uh, this would help me. And at the same time, I hoped that this would also help other brain injury survivors going through a similar journey. But as uh, time went on, and I met more people who knew little about brain injury, including brain injury survivors. I wanted to reach a broader audience. And, I mean, until then, I'd never really written except uh, essays as a high school student. Um, So wanting to reach a broader audience, I uh, wanted to improve my writing. Uh, Because of the brain injury, I couldn't attend writing workshops, so I got a writing coach who was amazing and this became a much more involved and more serious project. So that was the journey, and I've now become a really passionate writer. 
slash author. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think, did you find that writing your book, writing your journey, did you also find it to be therapeutic for yourself? Oh, absolutely. Um, One of the, apparently one of the common questions that brain injury survivors ask is, who am I? Because there's this issue of what has changed, mind or self? And I came to learn a lot about the brain injury because I was it really increased my uh, self-awareness writing about it and I also uh, so I came to know myself better and uh, I I also came to face the losses as well as appreciate the gains mm-hmm. so it really helped me move on. It helped me gain a perspective of where I am, which as you're recovering, there are times when you you go, am I always going to stay like this? Will I always be impaired? Um, and having a perspective to know that, yes, you are moving on really helps. Absolutely. And so, Deb, your newest book, is um, about textiles. And so tell us about textiles and your weaving and all your work um, that you're doing. Is this something you picked up after brain injury or was this something you were doing before? Um, Was it kind of therapeutic for you after your injury? Share that part of the journey. I... My love of textiles started when I was a kid when my mother told me to to knit. But... And I learned various other techniques since then. But weaving was different. When I sat down at the loom for the first time, I felt like this was part of my identity. I was a weaver. It was as if I was a weaver in a previous life. Um, but when you know, when the plot twist happened in my story, I couldn't weave anymore. Uh, you know, I'd I try and uh it was my balance got in the way i felt like i was in a ship on on uh, stormy waters and <laughs> the ship was going down you know and uh so i i couldn't and plus i didn't have the i just didn't ha- you know i didn't have the memory how to how to weave um or the attention span to really spend much time at the loom um, but most of all, it's the balance that really caused problems. So I couldn't weave, but as soon, shortly after the surgery, I started weaving again. And not only was it therapeutic, uh, it was incredibly therapeutic. It became a metaphor for my recovery. Um, as I struggled to learn, you know, to relearn how to weave, I felt like this was this was uh, analogous to my journey, to my struggles to recover from the brain injury. And it took me much longer than it would have taken me in the past to prepare the loom and then weave. But I finally ended up with a piece that I would never have been able to produce before the brain injury. I became much more creative, passionate and compassionate, I 
I had that extra awareness of my surroundings. I wanted to um, I wanted to produce uh, something that uh, reminded me of uh, ripples on the water uh, and sunset. And so I came up with all the ideas how to do this. I mean, I I use you know the, it was shimmering, so you get that effect of the of the waves. Um, I uh, dyed the yarn so that it was there were um, blending uh, blues and and oranges to get that effect of the ripples uh, reflecting the sunset and. Um, and my and my uh pattern was such that it was very it draped really well i i don't think i would have been conscious of all these ways to make it uh give the feel of the way you know the reflecting sunset on the water um so was this triumph when I finished it? It was this huge triumph. Not only I did it, not only did it help me through my recovery, but I produced this piece with an essence of its own. I mean, and in many ways, it wasn't just a metaphor for my struggles, it became a metaphor for the gains as well, um, which was huge. Mm hmm. You know, it, for me, I so I was a photographer when I had my injury, and my world was kind of tipped upside down. I, I no longer could remember how to use the settings on my camera. I mean, it was so mm-hmm. terrifying to not know how to do the things you used to do. And you don't yeah. know that you can't do them until you go to do them. So the first time I went to change my settings, I was like, whoa, what's wrong here? Um, You know, and so finding something else that has meaning, you know, for me, it's it's turned into writing and advocacy work. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's so important to find something that brings you pleasure and joy. Yeah. I mean, it was the same way of figuring out how to set up the loom. I mean, I was making lots of mistakes along the way. And having to figure out how to fix the mistakes, it was, you know, whenever something like that would happen where I couldn't figure out how to do things, I, it was frustrating. I, I uh, grieved over it. I used to go into my bedroom, soak my uh, pillow with tears, and mm-hmm. when the tears dried, I'd go back and, and do it. Um, so in many ways, my... Uh, the weaving really, really helped me um, um, through it because, as as you said, it, you need to find something you that really fulfills you. So between the writing and the weaving, this was really fulfilling. But in time, the writing took over, and yes, I still uh, you know, weave, but it's not at the same rate that I do that I did back then um, and so, so your, I, I was just going to ask that, um, your newest book is about your textiles or textiling um, 
Tell us <laughs> a little bit about that book. So I'm a member of this uh, networking organization called WARP, which is an acronym for Weave a Real Peace. I I started, uh, I joined the the group after 9-11. I wanted to do something. I wanted to make a difference. And I knew that education is key. And the idea behind WARP is to um, improve the quality of life amongst textile artisans around the world. I mean, the members of WARP are primarily uh, textile artists, textile aficionados, and anthropologists. Uh, So we're all interested in textiles, so this is a great medium uh, to work with. And in time, as you know, nowadays, since the the, um, Industrial Revolution, it's really hard for textile artisans uh, who who make traditional textiles uh, to earn a living that way. So the idea is to help them create a niche in the Western market, um, help them um, make the textiles more marketable without um, compromising their traditions. And uh, so I started writing at the request of our newsletter editor, I started writing uh, regular articles for our newsletter about textile techniques from around the world. The interesting thing was at the time I was interested in the techniques more than anything else, and they enriched my own uh, textile techniques. Um, But after the brain injury, I became much more interested in the stories behind the textiles. I was more interested in the people. And the focus of my articles shifted to include the stories. I mean, yes, there's some techniques there, but more importantly, there's the stories behind the techniques, the stories about the people. And at some point, just before the bleeds, um, the board asked me to gather all these essays together to produce a book, a collection of them, to sell as a fundraiser for WARP, to sell to the members. Um, because of the brain bleeds, that project was put on hold. Um, but after the brain bleeds, when things quieted down, I got back to that project and I ended up rewriting or you know, rewriting the uh, essays to include the stories, to focus on the stories. And the project grew. Originally, it was going to be this grassroots uh, collection of raw, um, raw and dry essays. And now it became more alive, more engaging. And um, as I said, it grew into this book. And as I wrote it, with my new compassion, um, new uh, interests in the outside world, I um, learned that textiles play a really important role 
in humanity. They've always been important. I mean, most people I know wear clothes. Um, <laughs> and uh, textile tra- uh, traditions connect us to our past, but they also connect us to each other. I mean, they're a really integral part of humanity. And uh, especially this day and age, through the stories, through this book, I'm hoping that the label of stranger for people from around the world will fade and, you know, people will, will realize that, for instance, textile artisans are people too. And uh, so there's a much more, there's a much deeper message uh, in this book than there was meant to be originally. And the, um, I just want to make a note that, excuse me, that I do have the link to both your books in the show notes. Um, And your current book is called Threads Around the World from Arabian Weaving to Batik in Zimbabwe. Um, and it looks just lovely. Um, it looks the cover is just absolutely beautiful. Did you, did you make the piece that's on the cover? No, uh, these are all pieces from um, uh, from various uh, textile traditions. There's a piece from uh, Morocco, several from India, uh, Africa. Uh, what else? China, it's, uh, they basically represent some of the textiles that are in the book. I want to write a sequel to this. Well, not a sequel, mm-hmm. but another volume, because here I only have, I only have 25 techniques, and I have so many articles, uh, so I want, I'm hoping to write another volume. Oh, that's so wonderful. Um, and then I also have the link to your original book, but my brain had other ideas. Um, so both of those are linked in the show notes. If anyone would like to see those on Amazon. Um, and you know, I just think it's so wonderful. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think I'm not coming up with the right words. Um, it's inspiring to see someone write, a book that's not just about their brain injury. Um, I feel like so many people with a brain injury think that their book has to be about their brain injury. And it doesn't, it can be, you know, about, it can be, I, I've met people who started writing fiction. Um, so I just want to put that into some people's heads out there, you know, that are thinking of writing a book, um, but think that it has to be uh, their story. It, it doesn't have to be. Um you know, so I, I think it's really, really neat that yours is, is about your textiles that you've had a passion for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, this is part of living with brain injury. You you live. You don't exactly. just sit there and don't yes. just sit there and go, "Woe is me." I mean, you no. learn to live with a capital L. Um, as I said, my awareness and self awareness just really. Um, grew tremendously after the injuries. I mean, part of it was the writing, but also, you know, people talk about life-changing experience. Um, I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but it's very true. Yeah, absolutely. And you do start 
you, know, you do you start appreciating things more life does become fuller and uh this to me was very much you know this embodies that that life is what you know life after brain injury mhm you know and and i like to say you know if someone is in a space where they're constantly saying this sucks i'm never going to get better well, you aren't yeah. ever going to get better with that right. mentality in your head. Um, yeah. You know, so you have to look for the positive and something inspirational. So, Well, especially since, you, I mean, with a severe brain injury, you never fully recover. You have to learn to live with it. I mean, people talk about acceptance, but originally I thought of acceptance as something really passive. But it's more than that. It's learning to live with it. And to do that, you can't do the woe is me constantly. You have to, you know, I, I, I don't like talking about moving on because it's never, it, it's always there, the brain injury. But it is moving on. You, you, you le- as I said, you learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Deb, thank you so much for being here today. This has been very inspirational, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and share your story, and just thank you so much for everything that you are doing uh, for the brain injury community. Well, thank you. This has been a pleasure, and I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And, again, I do have the link to both of uh, Deb's books uh, in the show notes. So be sure to check those out on Amazon. And just a reminder that you can find all of the previous episodes at facesoftbi.com. And another big thank you to our sponsor, Midwest Functional Neurology Center, the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. And thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you again next time.